Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Just to set the scene a little bit for you, I'm currently recording this in an Airbnb in Porto. So me and my family, we are doing a road trip around Spain and Portugal before they drop me off at college at the start of September in Spain and leave me to fend for myself, basically. So I finally got a moment to myself because my parents and my brother went to the grocery store. So I immediately pulled out my microphone and sat down to record this episode because we have some important things to talk about. For this week's podcast, we are going to talk about travel. So I want to tell you about some trips that I have taken in the past, advice that I have for planning trips uh, and for solo travel, as well as answer some of the questions that you sent in on Instagram. But before we do that, I also wanted to quickly tell you about sort of a new project that I'm working on. So if you've heard me talk about the Viably app in a couple of my videos, Viably is where we have our Bliss Bean community. So it's a place for people who enjoy Bliss Bean content to get together and just motivate each other, have discussions, get advice, etc. So we have weekly challenges, we have different circles where we talk about different topics. You can create your own circles about whatever that interests you and find other people in the Bliss Bean community to talk to. And right now we are implementing a new feature called the Dream Team. So the Dream Team is a way for you to get more insider access, I guess, and more exclusive content from the Bliss Bean. The thing that I'm most excited about is the exclusive newsletter that I've started. So in addition to the free Monday newsletter that I send out every, obviously every Monday, where I have a weekly article and some recommendations and an action step that you can try out each week. So this new newsletter is more like a, I like to think of it as a behind the scenes look into my life. So as you know, every week when I do my weekly planning, I write out what went well, what didn't go well. And so basically this exclusive newsletter, I am going to summarize my weekly review. I'm also gonna to talk to you about the projects that I'm working on each week, just things that I'm thinking about, things that I'm learning. And of course, I'm super open to any suggestions that you have for this new newsletter as well. So that is just one of the things that you'll get with Dream Team. You'll also get access to an exclusive chat with me and other Dream Team members. We have weekly meetups, uh, study and work sessions, and lots of other bonuses that you can learn about if you click the link in the podcast show notes. So that's the Vibely Dream Team for anyone that is interested. And for now, we are gonna move on to the podcast episode. So travel is something that is very important to me and I think the roots of that lie in the fact that my parents instilled a love of travel in me when they were young. Um, so a little bit of background about my family. Me and my parents, we were all born in Lithuania. Uh, my brother was the only one born in the United States. So for the beginning of my life, I lived in Lithuania with my parents. And as you know, the countries in Europe are pretty small. They're like the states of the United States. And so getting around traveling from country to country in Europe is just shorter distances, it's easier. So for sure, my parents did a lot of traveling around Europe. Um, I know for sure they lived for a while in Sweden, they studied in Portugal, and lots of other trips that I unfortunately don't remember because I was a baby or a toddler. So 
that kind of sucks but we have also taken other trips throughout my life and they've just sort of made it clear that travel is important to them and so I guess it just became important to me as well. I'm super super grateful for the fact that my family is able to afford these trips and that we're able to have all of these really cool experiences. Um, my parents, I know they tell me about the experiences they had when they were young, um, literally like in college or fresh out of college and trying to travel on a really tight budget. And they tell me about how they would sleep in the car and then like buy the cheapest food at the grocery store and really be budgeting. And I'm just really grateful for the fact that now we can go on trips where we do get to experience a little bit more of the place we are visiting because we get to you know, stay at hotels and try some of the local food and things like that. So yeah, I feel really lucky that I've been able to have these experiences, even if I don't remember the ones before age three. Uh, me and my parents, we were joking in the car today about how it's just not worth doing anything with kids under the age of three because they're just gonna forget everything, which of course is not true. I'm sure that was a very uh, beneficial experience for me when I was a baby. I just don't have any memories of it. I think throughout the years, just because of all the trips that we've taken together, I've kind of picked up some of the travel organizational skills just from watching them. Like, how do they pack? What do they do before they leave? How do they book hotels, etc. But of course, I had to apply what I observed, apply that knowledge to my own solo travel. So, let's move on to my very first solo trip experience. This hardly counts because I'm sure a lot of people have the experience of going to like sleepaway camps or something like that. And maybe you had to get home on your own from a faraway place. So that was basically my first trip. I got accepted into this journalism camp at Long Island University. And the amazing thing about it was that it was actually free. You just had to pay for the transportation to get there. So what we did was we went on a road trip and we visited the north eastern coast yes the northeastern coast of the united states and they dropped me off at the camp they left i stayed there for a week and then i came home on my own so that was my very first time like taking uh long distance transportation on my own i believe i left the camp and then i took like a subway i went to grand central which was just amazing um and then i took a train all the way back to chicago and then a bus back to madison I absolutely love that. It was like, it wasn't even that special. It was just a train and a bus that I got to take on my own, but it was a really good practice run. And I absolutely love the sense of freedom that I had. Like once I got a taste of that, I was like, I need to do more of this. So my next opportunity to travel in that way, I think it came a year later. The journalism camp was the summer after my junior year, I think. And then the next big trip that I had was after senior year, that fall, I embarked on my big gap year trip. So this trip was supposed to be a lot longer, but it was cut short due to the coronavirus. I really wanted to visit Europe and Asia. Like those were, that was my basic idea of what I wanted this trip to be. So because it was cut short, I only visited Europe and I've yet to visit anywhere in Asia. And I'm, I really, really still want to do that because even though I feel like I visited a decent amount of places, if I look at a globe, the places that I visited all fall in this tiny patch of the earth. And it just feels like there's so much more to see and explore. But anyways, so for my gap year, I knew that I wanted to do some traveling in addition to like photography and working on my YouTube channel and stuff. Um, and so basically photography was how I saved up money for this trip. 
I also knew that I wanted to save money and also just like have a more interesting experience by doing something called Workaways. So there's this website called workaway.info where hosts set up their profiles and workawares also set up their profiles. And it's just like, a website for these people to find each other. So what is a workaway? It's where you do some sort of work in exchange for room and board. Generally, that's how it works. So for example, there are people on there who run little bed and breakfast and they need people to help. And so if you sign up to help, you get to stay in some cool country, you get a place to sleep and you get food, usually, okay? You have to read the terms of each workaway and communicate with them because you need to understand exactly what you're getting. The type of workaway that I did was I lived with a family in Madrid. I basically just like helped with a couple of things around the house. Honestly, it was really easy, easier than I thought it would be. I just like took the kids through their morning routine. I took them to school. Then I had the day to myself. Uh, I brought them home from school. Uh, I sometimes took them to after school activities. Sometimes I'd read with them. I had to practice English with them. It was honestly amazing and I felt like I was part of the family. It really didn't feel like a job or au pairing in any way. And I got to experience Madrid so cheaply because all of my um, accommodations and food were basically paid for. So I highly recommend looking into workaways if you're doing solo travel. Otherwise, if you stay at hostels and you just, you know, you eat on a budget and you look for cheap entertainment, you can also have a pretty affordable trip. So yes, anyways, this, this gap year trip, what I did was I first landed in Lisbon. I stayed there for like two nights or something. And then I moved on to Madrid where I stayed with a host family for about three weeks and then a different host family for maybe one or two weeks. Then I, this was spontaneous. So one thing I liked about this trip was that I did not have that much planned out. And so this opportunity arose to visit my uncle and his family in Germany, which was amazing because I got to spend Christmas, my birthday and New Year's with actual family members rather than strangers at a hostel. And I also had not seen those family members in like 15 years. I met my cousin for the first time. So that was all amazing. And then after Germany, I went back to, yes, I went back to Portugal with a friend for like a week and then back to Barcelona and then to Barcelona with another friend and then my trip was over. So let's talk a little bit about trip planning because definitely a lot of you had questions about that. So generally when I plan trips, I just look online for things that I want to do. I think there is such an abundance of resources out there these days and we are so lucky. It makes travel planning so easy. Um, one thing my parents tell me about their trips is that they had to navigate with paper maps and that sounds absolutely insane to me. Um, I rely on Google Maps so heavily for the trip planning and then also obviously for the navigation once I'm actually there. So when I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in a place that I'm visiting, I love going to websites like Culture Trip. Um, that one's a pretty generic just travel website. They have all these listicles like 10 things to eat in Porto, 10 things to see in San Francisco, etc. Um, but I just find that their, their articles are pretty high quality in my opinion. And then Atlas Obscura is a website where it just shows you like little random, weird, wacky things to do in different cities. So stuff that you wouldn't probably find in a list of top 10 things to do in Lisbon. 
these are gonna be more I don't know what the right word for it is so I'm just gonna say they're gonna be more interesting in addition to those websites I also like looking at blogs preferably blogs that are written by just like one person because they have a more personal take on the travel experience rather than a company that's gonna do a sponsored post and like promote a specific tour company and then finally looking at geotags on Instagram so because getting the aesthetic photos is very important to me i go straight to the source i go to instagram um i will search the geotag for the city that i'm visiting and then look at my favorite photos and then see where those are taken so usually when i find these places that i want to visit i save them on google maps you can have like different types of labels so i think i put a heart for things to do or see and then a little green flag for the places to eat it's really nice because you can also see reviews for every place so everything you need is all in one location sometimes if i'm going on a trip with my family and we're going to be in one place for a long time then instead of just doing a map i will type up like a little google doc and i know this sounds like a lot but this this is very fun for me and I think if you think of it as enjoyable, it will be enjoyable. I don't remember where I've read this, but I think I've seen it in a bunch of places that like the the lead up to the trip, the planning process is just as important for your happiness as the trip itself. And then also the part afterwards where you're looking back through your photos and thinking about your memories. So I don't think it's that important to be like efficient in quotes about travel planning if you prolong it and extend it you just get to enjoy that excitement and anticipation more anyways that was an unnecessary segue to say that yes sometimes i prepare a whole google doc for a trip and so what i'll do is i'll make multiple bullet point lists lists like things to do foods to try um and then i also because i'm on a google doc and not like on a spreadsheet or anything I have all this free room to just write any extra information that is important. Like, how much are the tickets for this tour? When is this museum open? Um, is it free on certain days? Is there an event happening on a certain day that I want to go to, etc. So it's like, it's just like writing stuff in a notebook, except it's digital. So it's easier and neater. Other things for travel planning. When I'm booking flights, I use Google Flights because I feel like I just don't really understand the other travel booking websites. Google Flights is so simple, it makes a lot of sense to me. I understand exactly how to look for the best price and I think it compiles results from different websites. So I feel like you're getting the best deal. Please correct me on this if I'm wrong, but otherwise I'm just gonna keep using Google Flights. Um, for hotels, I usually go on hotels.com, although on this trip we've been, we've just like been booking hotels for each night that, that same day. Uh, we've just kind of been doing it as we go. And so for that, I've been checking multiple websites just to make sure we're seeing all our options and getting the best deals. So booking, yeah, booking.com is the only other one. So just two total websites that I look at for hotels. And then for um, hostels, I really like Hostel World. And for Airbnbs, Airbnb, obviously. I think that's it for travel planning. I would just say, if you're going on a long trip, definitely leave room for spontaneity. If it's a shorter trip, I am a fan of having at least somewhat of a day-to-day -day itinerary because it really helps you make the most of your time. It doesn't have to be packed completely full. Um, you just have to have an idea of what you're gonna do each day so that you don't end up just kind of like sitting around your hotel wondering what you should do. But that that is just my opinion on that. 
let's move on to talking about packing. So when I travel, whether it is with my family or I'm traveling on my own, for myself, I usually just bring a carry-on and a personal item. So someone on Instagram asked me about the specific brand of backpack that I have. So I just checked the label. It says it's from eBags and I'll try to find the link to put it in the show notes. I bought this bag specifically for my gap year trip because I knew that I wanted a backpack, not a rolly wheeled suitcase um, because it would be hard to roll it on like cobblestone streets in Europe and it's just nice to be able to carry everything on your back. That's what the cool backpackers do who stay at hostels and stuff. So I got this bag that is basically the maximum size that qualifies as a carry-on. And so you really just get as much space as possible, but it also fits on your back. I don't know what else to say about it. It works really well. I really enjoyed it. It has lots of pockets and compartments, which is nice for organizing things. When I'm packing, I usually put all of my tech in my personal item. And that personal item is usually just a smaller backpack so that all of my expensive stuff is close to me and I can keep an eye on it. Once in a while, even if you bring a carry-on, um, if they don't have enough room on the plane, they will have to check your bag. And so basically they take your bag away from you. And so that just makes me nervous because you never know they could lose your bag. Um, even if it's not permanently, even if you're separated from your stuff from a, for a couple of days, that kind of sucks. And so I don't want them to lose my bag with all of my most expensive possessions. So yeah, I usually put camera, laptop, um, toiletries in my backpack so that I can quickly remove that for going through security. And then all of my clothing and shoes and stuff is in my luggage or my big backpack. I would say for the packing process, start by writing a packing list. I have a general template that I use and then anytime that I'm going on a trip, I just edit it for that specific trip. So the general packing list has like everything that I can think of, um, summer and winter items. And then for the specific trip, I will just cut out stuff, add a few items here and there. And I think it just helps you make sure that you're actually packing everything rather than just like floating around your room and your bathroom and packing up random things. You actually have an organized list of everything that you need to bring with you. So after you have that list, I like to just gather everything in one place. When I was packing for this trip, I just put everything on my carpet. So I knew that everything within the boundaries of my carpet was what I needed to pack. And then once you're ready, you just start putting stuff in your luggage, check it off your list as you go, easy peasy. One reminder is that if you're going on a longer trip, you can probably buy a lot of things at your destination. So a great example is toiletries. Um, as I was packing, I was actually simultaneously making a separate list of things that I knew I needed to buy once we got to Europe. Um, most of that I haven't needed yet, but eventually I'm gonna have to go to um, a grocery store and pick up stuff like bigger bottles of shampoo and conditioner, bigger toothpaste, um, a shower scrubby thing, I don't know what it's called. So it just wasn't worth packing all of that stuff in my luggage if it's so easily obtainable here. One more tip is that I like to bring plenty of plastic bags. Those are really good for storing wet clothes, wet towels, any laundry that you might have. Um, when I put my shoes in my luggage, I wrap them up in a plastic bag so they don't get the clothes dirty. There's just so many purposes for a plastic bag, so it's good to have a little stash in your luggage. One person asked me, what was the process of planning for New York like? So if you don't know, two to three weeks ago, I took a trip to New York five nights with two of my friends 
and it was absolutely amazing. I'm very glad you asked this question because I'm very excited to talk about how this trip happened. So when I first found out about this flight, my friends had already bought tickets. So I looked for my own ticket and I went to Google Flights. As I said, I love Google Flights. Um, at first I was like, I don't care how many layovers I have to do, how long they are. I just want the cheapest ticket possible. Um, but the cheapest tickets were like Spirit Airlines where you literally had to do an overnight layover. So that's not, that's not good. <laughs> Even if you save money, I think it's usually not worth it because you would have to pay for a hotel. Um, I'm pretty sure it's only allowed at some airports to like stay all night there. And even if it were allowed, I don't know how I would survive that on my own. I would have to like stay awake to watch my bags and that would just be terrible. So a slightly higher price was worth it to not have to stay overnight at an airport. And then I just picked like a slightly more expensive ticket so that I would only have one layover instead of two and it wasn't a terrible one. So I think when I did my gap year trip, I was pretty, uh, I was pretty adamant about spending as little as possible. And I think this time around, I was a little bit more like, okay, travel can be really exhausting. So where can I spend a little bit of money to make it easier for myself and not completely exhaust myself before I've even gotten to New York? So that was the flight booking. As for picking the hotel, I believe we picked that a couple of weeks in advance, maybe a month or so. So what I did was I went to hotels.com and I put in some filters for what we were looking for. So. I think I looked up an article of best uh, New York City neighborhoods for tourists or something like that. And so I set a filter to show me hotels only in those neighborhoods. I also had to check that the check-in age was 18. That was something I did not think about at first. And then I was reading the policy of a hotel and it said minimum check-in age is 21. And me and all my friends were 20. So that would have been really bad if we could not get into our hotel. So basically that was my criteria. Good location, 18 check-in age and decent price. So I just made a list of our favorites. Um, one just looked really nice. It was in the Soho neighborhood. It had three beds, which was pretty unique. And we really liked that. And the price was pretty good. So we went ahead and booked that. And that was that. Finally, for the things that we wanted to do and see and places to eat, we all contributed um, the places that we wanted to go to into this big spreadsheet. And then I took that spreadsheet and I made a Google map. So I think this is a feature of Google Maps that maybe not everyone knows about. So hopefully you'll learn something new in this podcast episode. But basically in Google Maps, you can make a custom map. And so what I did was I made a map that was of New York City. I shared it with my friends and then I put a label for every location that we had saved in our spreadsheet and I labeled restaurants, things to do and things to see all different colors so that we could easily see like, okay, we're hungry. Where can we eat? Those are the, those are the yellow labels, for example. This was really, really helpful when we were putting together our itinerary because we basically made columns in a spreadsheet for each day of the week that we would be there. And then we would look at our big map and see, okay, where are there clusters of activities together? So we had two things that had to be done at a certain time. We were seeing the Stephen Colbert show and we were seeing the Van Gogh immersive experience exhibit. So those had tickets that were for a specific day, but the rest of the time was ours to fill. And so when we saw a cluster on the map, like for example, we wanted to see Times Square, we wanted to see the Nintendo store, the Hope statue, 
those were all sort of in the same area close to the theater where Stephen Colbert was taking place. So we were like, okay, let's do that cluster of things on the day that we're doing Stephen Colbert. Having a map like this is also really helpful if you don't have an itinerary and you find yourself somewhere in the city and you're not sure what to do. All you have to do is open it up and you see which of the places that you had originally wanted to visit are actually close to you at the time. It's very, very helpful. I can't recommend it enough. Um, you might not need it if you are hopping from city to city, doing a long trip, but if you are really looking to get the most out of one city, it just makes it so much easier. Another thing a lot of people asked questions about was routines and habits and stuff while traveling. So when I went on my gap year trip, I would say I was pretty good at sticking with that kind of stuff because I was doing a work away. And so it wasn't really like a vacation. It was just like living with another family. And so I had a daily routine, a daily schedule, and I definitely stuck to my morning and evening routines. Those were very important to me, especially when I was feeling homesick. I guess I would say I found habits and like work to be more difficult to keep up with. So at the time, uh, my YouTube channel was definitely very small. And so even though I still did want to be putting out videos, I did not put that much pressure on myself to maintain a weekly schedule and so I just wasn't that stressed out about it. I definitely was not doing sponsorships. There weren't a lot of people to potentially disappoint. There just was no pressure. It was super chill. It was pretty much my hobby at the point. Habits were also hard to keep up with because like even though I could control completely what happened at the start and the end of the day, it was harder to like remember to drink from my water when I was walking around Madrid the whole day um, or remember to post on Instagram or whatever when I just wanted to like enjoy the experience and not think about social media and stuff. Overall though, when I look back at the trip, I do remember feeling pretty centered, I think. So I would say the morning and evening routines are the most important part. And one of the things that actually we discussed on a recent dream team call, and I wasn't even trying to promote that, but it just arose very naturally. I told them that I was a little nervous about sticking to my routines and habits on this trip. And one of our lovely members suggested that basically you should set up different versions of your routine, sort of like a plan A, plan B, plan C. And she talked about how she went camping um, on a camping trip with her friends and she almost felt like weird without doing her bedtime routine. So what she did was, even though the bathroom at the campsite was like, not not an indoor nice kind of bathroom it was difficult to work with she still went and she did her skincare routine she did the best that she could and she said it made her feel so much better and so i have had her words ringing in my brain for the beginning of this trip so basically i haven't been doing my complete routines but i've always been doing some part of a routine and I think that has made a really big difference. Um, today, I finally woke up early for the first time. I beat my jet lag and finally look like I am getting my sleep schedule on a normal um, pattern. And so waking up early just did wonders for me. It was still quiet because my family was sleeping. I had time to myself to do a cold shower and do skincare and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. So I guess people are looking for advice. So my advice would be, don't worry too much about the habits. Um, I think the way that you start your day and the way that you end your day are the most important. I like to think of the morning and evening routines as the book ends to your day. And whatever craziness happens in the middle, and we know that there can be a lot of craziness when you're traveling, 
you know that you had a calm and centered start to the day and end to the day. On this particular trip, it is more important for me to find time to actually get things done because my YouTube channel is like an actual commitment and responsibility now also because I was way behind on work when I left and so I was kind of stressed out and had to play catch up um so something that has been helping me is just carving out time in the morning and the evening during the day we are driving we are walking around and it's just unrealistic for me to expect to get anything done in the car for example like that makes me nauseated looking at a screen in a car is very difficult for me but I know that if I wake up early in the morning and take like an hour or two in the evening, I have some time to get some proper work done. And I have Wi-Fi from the hotel Wi-Fi. So if getting work done on a trip is something that you're worried about, again, my best advice is that it's important how you start and end your day so that you can just, all you have to worry about during the middle of the day is having fun and um, not getting lost. And in the beginning and the end of the day is when you can get your stuff done when you're at the hotel. Ooh, one more thing is that we are spending a lot of time in the car on this trip. And at first I was fine with just listening to music, but then I was like, this is getting a little boring. <laughs> oh, also I was playing 2048. Um, like playing a little game on my phone does not make me that dizzy. And so I played that game an embarrassing number of times, but I did get to the 2048 tile, so it was all worth it. Anyways, today what I tried was reading on my Kindle, and I don't know why, but I actually was able to manage that pretty well. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that it's like the paper white screen and not a glowing computer screen, or maybe I was just being mindful about looking up regularly to look at the road so that, I don't know how all that stuff works, but that my eyes and brain would sync up or whatever. That was really nice, and now I am excited to get back into the car for the next leg of the drive because I know that I can just spend that time reading. Um, otherwise, if that does also make you nauseated, audiobooks are always great, podcasts, things like that. Just talking to the people that you're in the car with until they get annoying and then you have to take a break. A great question that someone had was, when you're solo traveling, how do you meet people? So I have not solo traveled that much and meeting people, making friends is something that I do struggle with because it's scary enough when you're like at school. It's so terrifying when you're traveling and... A lot of these people are older than you as well and it's just it's so difficult so i found it hard to connect with people at hostels and i was pretty disappointed by that because i feel like you hear so many stories of people going to hostels and just clicking with people right away and having so much fun having people to go out and explore with and eat dinner with and whatever i think the first hostel that i stayed at on my solo trip uh when i was in lisbon it was a bit of a disappointment because the overall vibe of the hostel was that people were there just to like get work done, you know? It was more of like a digital nomad kind of place. But on the other hand, I also was not looking to stay at a party hostel because I didn't really want to party. I just wanted to talk to people and play board games and whatever and wholesome wholesome activities like that. So it, it, it's hard to find a medium between a party hostel and then like the quiet, mind your own business, don't talk to anyone kind of hostel. I think the bravest I ever was at a hostel during that trip was when I was in Barcelona with my friend Nico. So he met me in Barcelona because our trips kind of crossed over. And I don't know, we stayed there for maybe four-ish days together. And so one of the days we both went into the common area and I actually talked to some people there, which is pretty cool. Having a friend there with me definitely boosted my courage and my confidence. 
but honestly none of the people that I talked to um were any sort of lasting friendships you know we didn't like meet up with these people at any other point in time I don't think I ever talked to any of them again aside from that one evening but it was nice it did prove to me that like conversations with strangers can happen I talked to some people in the hostel like dorms in the bedrooms so in Barcelona I actually had an experience where I had to switch rooms um just because I like extended my booking and then my original one original room was no longer available my original dorm was all female and then the next one was a mixed dorm so that made me a little bit nervous because I had not yet stayed on my own in the mixed dorm. But actually one day as I was packing my luggage, I had a great conversation with this group of guys and they were really nice and it was really entertaining. And yeah, I just think hostels are a really good place uh, for meeting people, but also for safety. Because if you're going to a hotel on your own, I mean, I don't know, I, I've never done that, but it does scare me a little bit because you're just so alone, you know, you check in on your own, you're in your room on your own, whereas when you're at a hostel, yeah, it can be weird to sleep in a room with other people if you're not used to that, but it also feels a little bit like safety in numbers, you know? I'm sure there are bad stories out there, and that really sucks, and that's sad. Um, I wish everyone could just travel knowing that they'll be 100% safe, but Staying at hostels definitely made me feel a lot safer as a solo female traveler. It was just always so busy, lots of other solo travelers like me, and I never felt unsafe. Aside from hostels though, I did actually make a couple of sort of friends. I met up with a few people, so let's just leave it at like acquaintances. Um, one girl I met on the Workaway website. So this is what I mentioned I did in Madrid when I stayed with my host family. Basically, I found that there was a feature on the website where you could find other people doing workaways near you, and I reached out to a couple of them. One responded, ding, 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 we have a winner, and I was just like, hey, I'm also doing a workaway. Do you want to meet up sometime and hang out? And she was very open to it. We went and got... Um, we went and got lunch and then we actually met up a second time so that was awesome and then i hung out with two other girls one in lisbon and one in madrid and i met them on instagram so definitely be mindful of online safety when you're doing things like this but if you meet in a public place and they have like a solid profile they've had their instagram account for a while they've posted a lot of content you don't get sketchy vibes from the messages that you exchange with them I think it's a really, really great way to make sure that your solo travel is not all solo. Um, speaking of not just doing solo travel, I think for me at least, mixing up solo and group travel worked really, really nicely. And so just having a period of time where you're alone and you have complete freedom and you can just be on your own, walking around the city on your own if you want to, and then making plans to travel together with a friend or a group of friends for a while and that was kind of the structure that i had uh i first hung out with a girl in lisbon and then i was on my own in madrid and then i was with my family in germany uh with a friend in portugal with a friend in barcelona and then on my own in barcelona so i got a little bit of both and it was a really nice mix because i think i would have gotten bored if i was on my own the whole time but you also just like, it's hard to find someone to go on a two-month trip with you, you know? Even if you are able to, I feel like you would get a little bit sick of them. Okay, the final question that we're going to talk about, this is another great one. How do you capture the trip and preserve memories? 
So first I'll tell you about how my parents do this. Uh, well, first of all, they took photos, they took a lot of videos, they bought like um, a video camera, and so we have all this cool old-timey looking travel footage. But their main thing is they have a uh, souvenir shot glass collection. I don't know how many they have, but I'm sure it would rival some of the biggest collections in the world. Um, anytime we visit a new country, and I think sometimes they do it for cities as well, they buy a little shot glass and we just keep them all in the basement. So for me, as you know, I like to declutter and stuff. And so I was not really into the idea of collecting things a few years ago, I guess before I got into the decluttering kick or whatever and wanted to emulate my parents and their shot glass collection, but in a minor friendly way, I tried to start a collection of uh, decks of playing cards. I got maybe four um, they're pretty cute, and the idea was that once I got 52 decks of cards, then I could make 52, di like, shuffle them into 52 decks of cards that each had 52 different countries on them, if that makes sense, in them. Um, so yes, I got, like, four decks in, and then I was like, okay, this, this sucks. First of all, it takes up a lot of room to store. Oftentimes, it's hard to find a deck of cards that is not the most common type of souvenir, and I just wasn't really feeling it. It was not exciting. And so at that point, I decided, okay, my thing is just going to be photos and videos. I very much enjoy taking and editing pretty photos, editing together videos. It takes up zero space. And for me, watching through my videos of a previous trip um, and being able to literally see and hear what I saw when I was on the trip just does not compare to drinking from a shot glass that you got in a different country you know no shade towards my parents but for me photos and videos are the ideal souvenir so yeah i think that's everything as for my future travel plans so we're doing this road trip until the end of august and then i'm going to college in spain i really hope that while i am there i get to take advantage of being in europe uh, first of all, being closer to my family in Lithuania, so I really want to visit them. I have some friends in Germany. Um, I'm sure I would find some Instagram friends in other countries as well. It's just, Europe is so beautiful, and now that I'm going to be living there, I really want to take advantage of how close I am to all of these locations. So, we'll see. Maybe I'll be super busy with school, but hopefully I can take a weekend here or there, or a spring break, or whatever, and actually explore this beautiful place. Three takeaways from today's episode. First of all, I wanna re-emphasize that you should really enjoy the planning process. Again, a vacation is not about just the vacation itself. If you go on a week-long vacation, you are probably looking forward to it for months and thinking about it for the next month after you come home. And so all of those all of those experiences of planning for it, reminiscing about it, thinking about it, those are part of what makes it such a beautiful experience and it gives you good warm fuzzy feelings to look forward and imagine all the fun you're gonna have and then flip back through your photo albums or whatever. So I know we always talk about productivity and efficiency and whatever but just take your time with planning this trip, really enjoy it, um, get the other people on the trip involved in it as well and just have fun. Yes, that's my advice. Just have fun.
My second takeaway is that yes, travel can be expensive. I really wish that everyone could have travel experiences, but at the least, I hope that I can inform you of some ways that you can make travel cheaper. So I talked about the workways. I talked about staying at hostels. One thing I forgot to mention uh, regarding flights is this newsletter that I'm subscribed to called Scott's Cheap Flights. So there's a free version of the newsletter and then there's a premium version that you can pay for if you want to. Basically, they look for deals um, on flights and then they just send you an email to update you about it. You tell them what airport you usually fly out from and the places that you want to visit and they'll send you relevant deals. One time, and this is rare, but there was a deal for tickets to Japan round trip for literally $200. And so imagine that. Imagine going to Japan for just a $200 flight. So I highly recommend that. Um, you never know when a deal might arise and you have room in your schedule and you can take advantage of that opportunity. Um, it really sucks that traveling is so expensive during the peak seasons like summer or winter break or things like that. But if you have any opportunity at all to take some time off during um, like the school year, travel will be so much more affordable. And finally, my third takeaway is to try and strike some sort of balance between planning and spontaneity. So I thought we did a really good job of that for our New York trip because we had a rough itinerary before we left. But then like every evening we would talk over what we wanted to do the next day. We switched some stuff around. We had empty spaces in our schedule to fill with whatever we felt like in the moment. And so it wasn't like we, we planned a minute by minute schedule and decided exactly where we would eat, exactly what we would do. We just put the main things on our calendar. We made a map and then we filled in the rest as we went. And I think that is an ideal way to travel. It helps make sure that you kind of keep moving and you see the things that are most important to you. But you also have room to adjust if you feel more tired um, than you expected or you have more energy than expected or you just crave a specific type of food or whatever. Travel should be fun. It can be stressful, but it shouldn't stress you out too much. So don't try to make yourself stick to too rigid of a schedule. And that is all of the advice that I have for you on the topic of travel. I really hope this podcast episode was helpful to you. I also want to remind you about the Vibely Dream team and all of the cool things we're doing over there. Um, I recently sent out my first edition of that exclusive newsletter. And when you sign up for the Dream Team, you get access to the whole archive. So be sure to sign up for that. I would love to see you there and just become friends and have group accountability and have meetups every week and all that fun stuff. More information on that is in the show notes if you're interested. Otherwise, that is all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's theblissbean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at theblissbean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.